0: Welcome Fruit Bowl fans, another Friday, another exciting review. In today's episode we learn about anti-life, we grave rob a hero, and we stack boxes together to create unity in Zack Snyder's Justice League, released in 2021. As always, there will be heavy spoilers, so please watch this film first if you don't want it spoiled. Now that the spoiler warning is done, grab a snack, pour a drink and get comfy for today's episode of Fruit Bowl Weekly. Football Weekly and a can of coke. I'm Ramra, joined again by Kitchen. Hi there. And onto a quick synopsis before the main review. So, Zack Snyder's Justice League is his reimagined vision of the Justice League film that came out in 2017. The story continues straight after Batman vs. Superman, as Batman goes on a quest to unite heroes across the world. To fight against a mysterious villain named Steppenwolf. Who has stolen three mother boxes that can help him take over and possibly destroy the entire planet. So I do want to preface this first. That especially if you have seen the previous version of Justice League. Stop this episode right now and watch the Zack Snyder's version. Because this film I believe is not only more enjoyable than the previous one. But you benefit more from understanding what the previous version was in this one because they fix so much in this while also keeping some of the same Zack Snyder stuff we all love to (laughs) hate.
1: Yep. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of of poop brown. I mean, Zack Snyder's Justice League is, in my opinion, one of the better DC Snyder movies. So it's definitely worth ignoring the 2017 version and just moving straight on to 2021.
0: And even if you've never seen the previous one, this film does so much right in terms of actually telling a plot that even if you've never watched the previous one, you can still follow and really enjoy this one.
1: Yeah, in fact, it improves a lot on the uh, character development of the team. It gives them real reasons, real motivations for working with Batman and forming the Justice League. Steppenwolf himself also gets a little bit of extra information about who he is, why he's there, what he does. So these things combined just make it a more enjoyable experience because you actually understand more of what's going on and it doesn't feel like a rushed mess.
0: So on that note, I think we should just go straight into the characters themselves, because one of the major issues with the previous iteration of Justice League is that what characters, you know? (laughs) Like most of the (laughs) characters didn't have that. And in this, we get so much of each individual member. Uh, Well, I'd say a little less in terms of Batman and Wonder Woman, because they had their own films to establish who they are.
1: Superman too, I feel, but he does get something with his resurrection.
0: Yeah, he gets something that fucking annoys the fuck out of me <laughs> because it's so pointless. But yeah. in terms of the other characters, so we have Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. Another one, uh, Cyborg, who is played by Ray Fisher. He, for some reason, they cut out his development in the previous Justice League. And he's the the biggest part of that film
1: <laughs> yeah he he gets so much more in Snyder's cut that it's crazy how little he had in the original. There's so much they could have done with the character, and Snyder does a lot with cyborg yeah. it's It's impressive
0: and the biggest thing that gets me about that is the fact that even in the original version, he is still the one that's most entwined with the mother boxes. And um, he literally just turns up. He's like, I'm part mother box. And ends with, I've destroyed the mother box. Yeah. But in this one, you you get to see him develop. You get to see him come to terms with the fact that he's now a cyborg. You get more emotionally attached to his overall family as well, who actually have a bit more of an inclusion in this as well. And his character, to me, is the best
1: one to watch in this film. Definitely. Agreed. You get... Footage of him when he was still fully human, playing American football. With his father not there and his mother standing proud at her son's accomplishments. You get the tragic death of his mother while he is present in the car that he survived. And then his father regretting his actions, using the mother box to bring his son back to life. Then obviously the son, now part mother box, part biotech, is contemplating his role in life and why he had to survive and suffer yeah. when his mother passed, all at his father's hands, as far as he knows. But obviously, he's been a bit immature about that, and he does grow as a character over the course of the movie. There's also um, a few more scenes from Cyborg's father, which sort of cement its place in, this is really Justice League the Cyborg story. Yeah, yeah it really is. <laughs> and it it's better for it, because, and there's at least... A focus on some of the side characters rather than the main trio and we can really learn more about the new members of the team which at this point didn't have their own movies or franchises.
0: No and one of the biggest things in the previous one was that Barry Allen aka The Flash was pure comic relief. In the original he was there just to crack wise and be a goof and In this one, he not only gets developed more, not only do we get to see why he's sort of, you know, doing a lot of the stuff that he's doing, why he's even on a hunt for a job. Like, we actually get to see more of him actually at an interview, which is good. And I think that Ezra Miller, who plays The Flash, does a really good job in terms of actually portraying the fact that On the outside, he's a fun-loving, goofy guy, but you can definitely tell that when he's connecting with someone who's got emotional trauma, like most of his interactions are with Cyborg, he interacts well with that, because you know for a fact that Cyborg hates his dad due to abandonment issues, whereas Barry's dad is forcibly locked away for a murder he may or may not have committed. And those two do so well
1: in terms of acting together. Oh, yeah, they bounce off each other really well. And they both have their own sort of B-arcs, B-plots that can be addressed later, which only creates future potential to use these characters in other movies or other media. And the, The Flash originally was sort of the goofball comic relief. But he was also a sort of placeholder for the fans of DC. And everything he did was just fanboying over everything where he sort of, takes a more realistic step back in this and is more down to earth even though he is a bit of a fan. He's not over the top kid in a candy shop. Instead he feels like he has real reasons. He's a real character. He he thinks for himself and he still has an air of uh, greenness or comedic goofiness about him which is understandable. So just to round off this
0: little synopsis of the characters going into some of the more influential side characters. So we have Joe Martin, who plays Silas Stone, and he is Cyborg's dad. And I gotta say that his acting seems a little bit robotic in a sense. The pun was not intended. (laughs) But I also feel like that benefits his character a little bit, just because he is kind of playing the disconnected dad. But he, he also sort of shines when he's worried as well. Like, when he gets carried away by the first fly guy, he definitely shows that he's fucking... The shock and terror comes through. And when he sort of needs to protect people. But a lot of his acting is definitely more towards the, I guess, stoic uh, researcher, scientist type of character.
1: Yeah, I find that the most obvious example of maybe some of his issues in acting Silas is when he's crying at Cyborg's bed in the hospital. Something about it just doesn't draw me in. I don't feel the emotional connection between the characters that I should be feeling at this moment in time. Yeah.
0: Another side character that comes back is uh, Lois Lane. She's there. She exists. She is a sad, depressed plot device.
1: Every one of her scenes is designed to be depressing. Even if the scenes depicted aren't scenes of depression or sadness or mourning in any way, shape, or form. For example, the intro of Snyder Cut, or at least one of the first scenes in the introduction of Snyder Cut, shows Lois Lane taking a coffee to the local cop and seeing the Superman monument. Now this just seems like your typical day, but for some reason they've got a really sad, and in my opinion slightly poorly sung song in the background. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it feels really out of place. She doesn't seem somber or sad. She seems fairly okay and content at this point. Yeah. But there's a sad song to tell us she's sad.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let, let's just assume that you've already watched uh, Batman vs. Superman and you've already seen the ending. And even if you haven't, it opens exactly when Superman's dying. We don't need to know that we don't need music or everything to be dark and depressed or whatever to know that the person who she loved the most is dead. And that's made her sad.
1: <laughs> now, I will say that this is a point where the original actually does it better. Because in the opening sequence of the whole Superman death thing in the original, they show different scenes of like the civilians saying that they have lost hope criminals sort of getting more common, you know, the police having to work harder to capture these villains because there's no one around to deter or capture them instead. And it sort of shows how everything's slightly falling downhill with Superman's absence. But in Snyder Cut, we just get the coffee scene with some sad background music. And I guess we get the flash of the grave too, but that's no different from the original and adds just the same amount of nothing.
0: But What I would say is that one of the um, best side characters that has been introduced is uh, Alfred is still on a roll. Alfred played by Jeremy Irons.
1: Yeah, and he gets additional scenes in Snyder Cut just to show off what a snide, cynical git he (laughs) is.
0: Yeah, he's on an absolute (laughs) roll with how much he is fucking fed up with just whatever this is.
1: (laughs) I hope Batman suits Fireproof. (laughs)
0: Like, just fucking throughout this film, Alfred is one savage motherfucker. Like, Jesus. Like, his first line to him that we see is like, oh, maybe someone who spends all night in a cave isn't fitted to be a recruiter. It's like, alright, Alfred, alright, look, I'm trying, alright, I'm trying. Oh, but, you know, he also interacts really well. Like, he still has fun with, like, Wonder Woman calling her team-making skills fucking shit. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, Alfred is the best side character yeah. in this. I wouldn't even say he's a side character. I wanted
1: him to be the fucking sixth or seventh member of that damn <laughs> Justice League. He basically berates Superman for taking too long with a snide, I hope you're not too late line. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> while the world's ending he pours himself like a nice quadruple shot of whiskey not a cheap one either, it's like a 300 pound bottle of whiskey that is fucking Alfred's going out with a bang if this world explodes Alfred's always one of the most fun characters in any Batman media and it's, it's glad to see him take sort of a front row seat.
0: And one where he's just, you know it. You know he's been doing this for years with Bruce. And he's fucking, yeah. he's like, look, what? There's a half man, half robot. Fuck it, I'll stick the kettle on. Who wants some tea,
1: baby? Hope we have enough cups. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where are we going to get the cups from?
0: <laughs> fucking cyborg opens up his back. I've got my own.
1: But uh, also when uh, the super team first meet Alfred and they ask who it is, Batman's just like, oh, I'll work for him.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, you, know you do, Batman. Yes, you Rightfully do. Rightfully so. But we also have some other sort of prominent actors that play bit roles. So Jared Leto comes back at the end as the Joker in one of the worst ending sequences I might have ever seen. We also have Willem Dafoe playing a little ocean man. That's about where that ends.
1: Yeah, what's he? The advisor to the king or something? Or the queen? Or whoever the current ruler is?
0: He's the one who calls Aquaman a pussy,
1: basically. He does. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) take your goddamn trident.
0: (laughs) Just pick (laughs) it up and do your fucking job. And um, one of the best ones is uh, J.K. Simmons playing Commissioner Gordon. Fucking J. Jonah Jameson's back at it again, but in D.C.,
1: He plays such a good Gordon, though. He's not on screen long enough to get a a full idea of his capabilities as Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. But appearances, and in those small scenes we see him in, solid. Yeah. Fits the bill perfectly. He plays a good character in which it's just an old man
0: who wants to just (laughs) absolutely fuck things up for any hero.
1: (laughs) A strict moustached old man. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, my God. Love it. Jesse Eisenberg's back as uh, a, I don't know, he's he's back as Lex
1: he's, again.
0: <laughs> he's back as Lux Lexor. <laughs> he's back as Lux Lather. Back we, at we've it again. We've
1: got Lex Luthor at home. It's Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> it's Jesse Eisenberg. I'm back, baby. He still, he still doesn't fit the bill, in my opinion. No, he, but he, still he is still a strong actor.
0: He just doesn't fit the character. No, no, he doesn't. We also have uh, Henry Cavill back as Superman.
1: He's also in the movie too, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) 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 He's absolutely not in this film again. He's not. It's 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 anti-Superman. It's reverse barbarian man.
1: Zamasu. It's Superman Black. (laughs) It's
0: Superman Black.
1: Oh my God! (laughs) What does the what does the hope of everyone need? An emo phase, that's what he needs fucking, You can't tell me not to save the world, mom I'm gonna go do it
0: It's fashion, god Oh, Nobody mm. cares for red and blue anymore It's all about black Oh, fuck's sake And um, there's more characters that they throw in Like I believe it's Joe Manganiello Something like that I butchered that last mm-hmm. name for sure But he comes out as, uh, <laughs> as a surprise ending Deathstroke Kind of just thrown in
1: there. Uh, Ryan Jeng, I think his name is, playing Ryan Choi, which is a a well-known DC character. Very nice nod there.
0: Marth is in it again. Just to be another Martian Manhunter fake out. Now, to be fair, Martian Manhunter, voiced by Harry Lennox, he technically doesn't completely come out of nowhere as his, I guess, human form, which is General Swanwick. Sw- Swannic, Something like that. He is a is a repeating, I guess, minor character in a couple of the other ones, I believe, Man of Steel. But is he just to be like, look at this future character, you
1: might see? Ho-ho, <laughs> excitement! Yeah, his original appearance makes absolutely zero sense. Because we're not shown him gaining any knowledge of the world's current events. And he just decides... To become Martha Kent? Yeah. Just to convince Lois to get back into journalism. So she goes to the monument, perhaps. But she goes there every day anyway. So why the hell is he there?
0: Well, in a way, it's the... I think it was to push her to stop going back and to continue on with her life. Which is why when she finally goes back, she goes like, One last time, chief man that I give coffee to every day.
1: Oh, so what you're saying is Martian Manhunter, if he succeeded in allowing her to continue with her life and move on, he would have gotten the killed by evil amnesiac Superman.
0: You know what? Absolutely right.
1: <laughs> that is true. Wow. So not only is he useless, he's also detrimental. Yeah,
0: he is. He's a bad impact.
1: Amazing. <laughs> a
0: bad influence <laughs> on this film. <laughs> um... Just to talk about the major thing, other than the actual character development that has changed in the Snyder Cut version of this film, is the actual plot. The plot of the Snyder Cut version of Justice League actually exists.
1: Yeah, rather than just, Lex Luthor drew boxes and squares in his notes, so there must be secret alien boxes or squares. (laughs) Yes. That's it. The original did show the parademons appearing sooner. So the heroes were tipped off to their existence. Yeah. But in the Snyder Cut, it's kind of a mystery for the first two and a half, maybe three hours of the movie as Batman's just gathering people preemptively and Wonder Woman is actually the first of the team. I guess Cyborg might know too, but Wonder Woman is the first of the team that we know of to be alerted to their presence through the uh, fire of Artemis, the Amazonian beacon.
0: But having Wonder Woman already know makes sense as her and the other Amazons have been looking over this mother box since the like first war or since the first dark side war that happened. Which to be honest I really loved the fact that they included the whole dark side war thing in this.
1: Same. I thought the battle scene was really good and it it showed the old gods in action. But it also created a plot hole, which I think I'll mention a bit later down the line.
0: So the re- the reason I like it as well is just the fact that it gives more context
1: to the actual mother
0: boxes as well.
1: That's something that was missing in the original.
0: So not only do we have this giant war that introduces the Atlanteans, the Amazons, the Lantern Corps as well. They get introduced in there. Yep. But it also introduces what would potentially be, I guess, the future antagonist, as well as a secondary antagonist in this film, which is Darkseid. Which makes sense, since Darkseid's whole agenda is to have everything under his control. And the way he does this is by having the three mother boxes, taking them to a planet, fusing them together. And by fusing them together to create something called unity, it then rewrites the planet in his image or rearranges particles into something that's similar to his original planet apocalypse and honestly even if that wasn't explained too well just by the visuals alone that does get developed more as the story goes on so you do start to understand a bit more but that entire fight scene is great except for the fact that the humans are there, and I still think they're damn useless.
1: <laughs> Not <a tire> fight. <laughs> Well, humans can take down parademons. The parademons aren't, like, super durable. They're just... they look durable. I don't think they are that durable. But it, this scene also introduces the anti-life equation, which, as anyone would know, is very big for Darkseid. That is Darkseid's purpose in life, essentially. So it really sets up Darkseid to be a main antagonist going forward.
0: Yeah, and I I, I do like that as a setup. I think that that's a very good setup for future films, whether they are or are not going to be made. I still think that that leaves it open in the future just for a potential Darkseid film, or, an, or Justice League 2, I guess. But... I the thing that I love most about the war scene is not just the fact that it's actually most of it is CGI, but it it's actually okay looking CGI. Like as a giant full scale war, some of it's gonna look odd, but the general look of it does look pretty good. I just love the fact that when they divide the mother boxes up after fucking Ares, Zeus, and Artemis, I guess just go fucking ham and Darkseid's like what the. F-? Fuck!
1: Ares fucks Darkseid up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, absolutely fucking gets back in his ship and he's like having an asthma attack due to a fucking <laughs> battle axe embedded in his chest. It's like, wow. <laughs> Alright, Darkseid, fair enough. Darkseid fucks off because he's like, well, you know, misjudged that scenario. And they decide, right, we'll split up the mother boxes. <laughs> Uh, we'll have Atlantis, Atlanteans take one, we'll have the Amazons take the other, and we'll have the humans take the third. And the Amazons are like, right, we need to build this complex structure. We need to stick it in the middle, have Amazons patrolling every hour. <laughs> Safe, secure, love it. Atlanteans, stick it in a fucking aqua vault. Have a crack and guard it. Safe, secure, love it. Humans, we're gonna fucking dig a hole. Gonna put the box in a box and dig a hole. Because that's the fucking safest measure.
1: Humans are dumb. What, what more can we say?
0: It's like, <laughs> <People> Jesus. <suck. laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, I'd love to see, yeah. like, the aftermath of that <laughs> and having all three leaders get together and they go, so what did you do with your box? What did you do with your box? And the human's going, we dug a hole. Do you dirt? We dug <laughs> a dirt. We dug a we we decided we put it in a box in a box and we dug a hole and it's safe. Nobody knows. And then, of course,
1: who finds it in a hole in the ground? But Hitler. <laughs>
0: of course he does. Of <laughs> course he does.
1: Yep, because
0: Hitler's Christ. there now. <laughs> he's, he's like, what? Here we go. This'll this'll make me plans go smoothly. So <laughs> fuck's sake. Oh, no. For a guy
1: who hates aliens, he uh, sure likes to use their tech.
0: Sure does like to use their tech. And then the, uh, the human mother box ends up then ultimately being used by Silas Stone to resurrect his son as Cyborg. Which, you know, that is one heck of an adventure that one box has gone. The other two have just stayed where the fuck they've been. This mother box has gone on a whole fucking adventure. He's loving life.
1: Or she, I guess. Yeah, it's because humans see fire and put their hand in it. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> uh, but I love the entire war scene because that just that obviously sets up the actual Mother Boxes as being a established part of the universe, so they're not just randomly there for the sake of the plot now, or just because the villain needs something to be like, I'm going to conquer the world! But I also like the fact that each Mother Box technically establishes each hero to meet each other. Like, I feel like that is a good way of making them sort of converge. Now, granted, Mm. you know, Bruce Wayne does obviously meet Aquaman, but Aquaman just decides to go, no, I'm a lone wolf. I don't want to fucking be with you. And then goes back to his ocean fortress
1: or his ocean hole because he's a lonely boy. For a guy who self-proclaimed hates the Atlanteans, he does spend a lot of time underwater
0: yeah and just i'm just hating just everyone i also like the fact that the first mother box we see sort of not only summons steppenwolf but it also establishes the amazons as being a part of this as well yeah because that involves steppenwolf fighting against the amazons as the amazons are trying to escape with the mother box it doesn't establish wonder woman but it does establish her sort of reason why she is in the team up because obviously steppenwolf fucks up a lot of the amazons he does get the box and he does escape so she Mm. has raw motivation from more of like a a sort of family basis
1: yep and the amazonians seeing that their great evil has teleported from the location of the box decide to take the box and move it yeah, that doesn't make sense in my book, but I guess it's better than letting it fall in his hands. Because if that box is the one that called out to him, and he could just boom tube straight to it, he'll be able to do that no matter where they put the box, because it's awake now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm <don't laughs> just <laughs> running away with his fucking his spawn point. <laughs> it's exactly, really yeah. A great idea. Um, then we have Steppenwolf attacking the Atlanteans to get their mother box, that then establishes Aquaman as. Yes, I didn't care before, but now that I've genuinely seen the sort of damage that Steppenwolf has caused, he's killed not just Atlanteans, but humans as well, and secretly, deep down, he does care. That gives him stake to join the team. And the third mother box, which I guess is technically half of Cyborg, as well as still being itself, is with Cyborg, because his dad used it to make him, and... Him sort of being able to connect with it, him knowing the dangers of the mother box, that actually compels him to seek out Batman and the other heroes because he knows the destruction it can cause and he wants to stop it.
1: And having the entire world's technology at his mercy, he can easily learn the information he needs to find these people. Yep. And in the original, it does show him sort of Looking them up and seeking them out, which it doesn't really show in the Snyder Cut. But the Snyder Cut does have this whole, um, I would call it a very artsy sequence within his own mind, his mind palace. He explores his abilities and options to the background track of his father's recording. Explaining how he has great responsibility now and he needs to find out what he can do and learn not to use his powers. That's like the important part, when not to use them.
0: Yeah. I also love that scene specifically, or those scenes, because it also is a good representation of Cyborg's acceptance of himself. Because the first time he goes into that whole Mind Palace segment, he visualises himself before he got turned into Cyborg, so back Mm -hmm. when he was fully human. And then it does a full rotation at the end, when he's sort of merging with the Unity bomb, I guess, or the Unity box. And he sort of accepts who he is and his visual representation is now as him of Cyborg. And that, I think, is just a cool development on a whole visual side. I love that.
1: Yeah, and it's because the mother box also tries to turn him, doesn't it? By giving him what it thinks he wants. But he has since grown as a character and has come to terms with himself and his abilities.
0: And I also think it's the fact that, so far, the Mother Box has brought back two people. One, a horribly deformed half-robot, and the second one, a very angry barbarian amnesiac.
1: That's true.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> maybe bringing people back might not be the best course of
1: action. No, I, you know what? Yeah, you might have a point there. <laughs> Even the Kryptonian ship says it's hostile. Yeah, yeah it's like danger.
0: Um... But I would say that the only character that doesn't link with the mother boxes and is more actually searched out by Batman and the group is Barry Allen or The Flash. But before actually being recruited and I guess told the exposition, Barry didn't give a shit about any of this. Before this, Barry just wanted a job. And Batman's like, I'll give you a fucking job. I'll make you a hero. And just like in the previous version,
1: he... he Just says, yeah. He's like, I am on board. Why? Because it's cool as fuck. Well, Batman doesn't really help Barry Allen out in the end, does he? Because he buys Superman's house back by buying the bank. Maybe he did help Barry Allen get his first job. But I mean, does Two-Face not exist in this universe? Can he not just get the dad out of prison?
0: Yeah, I, I will say that one of the biggest improvements of Barry Allen as a character is just the fact that we get to see more of him. Like, with, with Cyborg, we see more of him, but he also gets developed, like, emotionally. His personality gets developed. His skill set is established and developed along the line. That is an amazing thing with him. But with Barry, he has already used his powers for quite some time. We don't need to know what his powers are. So, just being able to see Barry interact more with, sort of, like, his friends, I guess, all the other heroes... Seeing him with this new added scene of him getting the job interview and actually getting to see how his powers worked from his angle is really fucking cool. They
1: yeah, are. I think that's one of the better new scenes that have been added. All the new scenes add something, but I absolutely yeah. love just the flash scenes <laughs> All of them are pretty much good. Yeah, all of the Flash scenes. They they did him and Cyborg a great justice. But while Cyborg may still have some issues, I do think Flash is almost completely, like, sorted. I would have liked more of the Flash's operations inside his hideaway. Seeing him actually go out and seeing how he, I guess, patrols his route.
0: Yeah, that would have been good.
1: But besides that, I think in a very short scene, they establish his character. They established a possible romantic interest. They showed his powers and how they work. In one complete scene, they they showed so much about the character. They didn't need any more.
0: No. That intro scene of him saving, I guess, what could have potentially been Iris West. She wasn't named. No.
1: But we can assume.
0: And I feel like the fact that they focused more on showing us his powers and the visual effects that surround his powers did him the best service definitely. In in terms of, I guess, the, the main three, so Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, Batman's character, to me, only really develops as per any other Batman character, so he learns to trust more, and he relies more on faith than, sort of, statistics or results.
1: Yeah, he even says that yeah. as a line, doesn't he? For the first time ever, I'm relying solely on faith.
0: Yeah, to Alfred, who's basically saying, "You're not thinking with your brain, Bruce." And he's like, "I don't. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not." Alfred just and Bruce deal with is it.
1: basically doing necromancy. Yeah. Alfred. Yeah, <laughs> look, get. I don't. I don't think logic comes into this. I have no idea what's <laughs> going on. I can't even fathom it. Right, I'm just going along with the ride. <laughs> so it's him admitting he doesn't really know what's going on, and he's just hoping it works out for a change because he's relying on his team. Yeah. I think that's where the faith comes from, his his team.
0: Yeah, because I guess it's also the first film in the DC, I guess, Justice League trilogy, I guess, or whatever, <laughs> in which he has actually trusted other people. Because Batman versus
1: Superman, he spent the entire film just hating one guy. That's not very trustful. And working with the villain, technically, because he didn't do his homework. Is Batman is kind of, he kind of has a one-track mind in Snyder movies. Yeah. Especially in Justice League, it does feel like he's taken more of that one-minded route. He's just there to have cool technology, only to have it blow up a few minutes later, and then he has nothing to do. And he just seems like he's in the way. Yeah. He's <laughs> just a great big lug. It's similar with Superman as well, besides the revival thing. It feels like, especially when he gets his powers back and starts fighting for justice, he just goes barbarian ape man. Yeah. And doesn't use his powers in any logical way. He just starts smashing Steppenwolf. That's it. To me,
0: if Superman did have a personality in the other films,
1: (laughs) (laughs) the amnesiac
0: route got rid of any semblance of character. Because that's what the amnesia plotline is. And that's why most of the amnesia plotlines are used at the beginning. So that you can discover the character while they're discovering their own character again. You know, finding their true selves. Whereas in this one... They got rid of Superman's character, had him get his character back in 20 seconds, and after that 20 seconds, he comes back as emo barbarian boy. And that isn't a character.
1: I don't think Cavill's performance as an amnesiac Superman really helped things either. No. Because it felt less like it was a dire thing that he was trying to recall. And more like, at one point, it's like he lost his car keys, and it was a minor inconvenience. And then two minutes later, So, I guess that ring means you're accepted. It's 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 like, oh, oh,
0: fucking shut up
1: now. Shut up, Superman. No one cares, Superman. No one cares. (laughs) You're the reason we no longer care. You you suck.
0: (laughs) The thing is, is that this is kind of a neutral point, but Wonder Woman's character doesn't really change either. Like, Wonder Woman's character just starts off as she's living a life. You know, in modern society, she helps people where she can and she wants to save the world. And her end sort of change is that she's a Amazonian woman who's living in modern society. She wants to help people and she saved the world.
1: (laughs) The only difference is she was once also a lone wolf.
0: The only issue with that is that that was done and established in her own individual film. So in this film, she, she just doesn't change, which isn't a bad thing, to be honest. Because not every character has to go through an arc. So I I don't mind like Wonder Woman and sort of Batman being what they are already established. That that doesn't bother me.
1: It goes back to what we were saying at the beginning where especially I think the main trio didn't get touched on as much. And it's probably because they already had their own established movies. And that's why the focus was on getting them together and sort of advertising in a way the the new kids on the block
0: like for sure it's very clear that they have put most of their effort into making cyborg and the flash look the coolest out of all oh they yeah they're rad like even when superman joins at the end he he just he just punches people and well sorry he punches a person relentlessly for like 10 minutes he laser
1: beams batman's arm and then laser beams steppenwolf's horn off
0: it's just good with the fact that with cyborg and barry I'm i'm just gonna call him barry not the flash (laughs) every (laughs) single time (laughs) but with cyborg and barry they are new to this whole entire scene like the most they've probably done like especially cyborg like he discovers everything he can do in this film whereas with barry it's minor inconveniences that he's he's probably saved you know, like he stops small robberies. He saves people from crashes, you know, like he does small scale things. So when they are up against fucking armies of aliens or, you know, like when Barry gets injured, honestly, the most out of all of these characters, he, like his his genuine sort of like fucking fear in getting injured is is there.
1: His inexperience really is showing.
0: And what I love is the fact that they even show his healing factor at the end when he gets shot by the alien gun turret thing and it leaves a fucking huge gash. But I love the fact that it's not just, I've got a huge gash, I'll wait it out, it'll heal eventually. It's just, he's, like, he's like, oh, I'm just a little winded. And then he's like fucking giant things there and he's like genuinely in pain. <laughs> it's like that, that is a good side of this goofy character that yeah. we expect to just be
1: comic relief. Because he's not doing that for selfish reasons, is he? He doesn't want his team to worry and he wants to complete his job. He doesn't want them having to... He doesn't want himself weighing down the team.
0: Yeah. And I fucking... Just all of Cyborg's transformations, I guess, in this are just so... (laughs) Welcome to the gushing about Barry and Cyborg uh, (laughs) (laughs) review, I guess. Um, But fucking... I think that the best CGI thing in this is probably Cyborg's body.
1: It better have been, because he's
0: always there. <laughs> he's always there, but he he actually fits in with the other characters. Like sometimes you get CGI characters, and even when they're there, they just look like they shouldn't exist, or they look out of place, or like they're floating on top of what's being recorded or something.
1: Like Cavill's top lip.
0: Yes, like the like the fucking missing mustache. <laughs> but like when Cyborg genuinely transforms his body into like the the blasters, they look cool. When his fucking arms come out, it's not like slow to help. Like they just fucking shoot out. They go to help him, and I I just think his design is genuinely the coolest, and it makes me glad that we learn more about him because in the previous justice league he is what superman is in this he's just a spontaneous emo edge lord
1: <laughs> he's just filled with angst isn't he
0: yeah using all these characters and actually having them established or being established in the film i will say a lot of the action still looks pretty good so i still think the flash scene of him dodging Superman's blows looks really good. I-, I still think that's a pretty good scene. When Steppenwolf is about to kill Cyborg's dad, and he dashes down and, like, fucking, like, shoots him, dashes down, throws him against the wall. That's a very quick, fluid scene that's really good to watch. And Wonder Woman has a lot of one and multiple fights. All her scenes look pretty good except for the Amazonian curse, which is the slow motion that is perpetually following her.
1: Oh, when you said Amazonian curse, I thought you were thinking of her entrance theme. Oh
0: my God. Yes. <laughs> Cursed by two horrible things.
1: Oh my <laughs> God. was it like ancient lamentation? <laughs> God, they must have reused that same opener
0: at least 10 times. Every time they showed Wonder Woman's just face or body or sword or whatever, it's just like, oh! It's not, like, not even
1: that. They mention an Amazonian, and the woman starts up.
0: <laughs> the woman start. Cue the woman. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, bring her in
1: this time.
0: <laughs> bring in the woman. Oh my god! It's like that fucking meme of imagining the band is always playing while all this is going on. Yes. I could just yeah. imagine like Wonder Woman's here fighting all the like fucking her
1: biggest fan. <laughs>
0: She's fighting fucking Steppenwolf, (laughs) and she's on the ledge just being like, (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: "Ah!"
0: Oh my god. Uh. Fucking hell. But the the action scenes, you know what? Even some of the heavily CGI'd ones, to me, still look better than in the previous film. Uh, Some of them are also elongated, which is fine, because that means that the characters get to act together more often. Mm. But there are also times in which not just the action scenes, but the overall CGI horribly fails the film.
1: Oh, yeah. Dark Side looks ugly as fuck. He looks like a, a grey thumb thumb.
0: He, he, oh my god. Oh my god, yes he <laughs>
1: does! <laughs>
0: And it's fucking, it's so bad for this person who Steppenwolf <laughs> is literally on his knees begging to be welcomed back to Apocalypse. And then it cuts to Darkseid. And he just, oh my God. You know what? No wonder he's conquered so many planets. They probably just wanted to fucking kick him off. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. Please, you can have our planet. Just go. You're scaring the children. We'll serve under you. Please. Just Please fuck (laughs) please i don't want to see you again (laughs) and um there's some scenes that look like eternal copy and pasted ps2 cutscenes. like there's one in which cyborg's flying he's shooting buildings but every building looks like it's copied and pasted
1: you could easily loop that it's a very endless hallway sort of deal there are a few other scenes like that that go on a bit too long as well
0: I will say, though, one of the coolest effects in this is with the end of the film. So, the end of the film changes, like, more towards the actual mother box ending. Like, a lot of the in-between of him, of Batman sort of shooting the uh, parademons and Aquaman surfing on the corpse and stuff like that, a lot of that is the same. But they have this big bit that I love where the heroes technically, well, no, they actually lose.
1: Yeah, Superman gets evaporated. He
0: fucking... He does! I will say the effect of him coming back again, of the sort of bones and the blood and the body reforming... The assembly. That didn't look great. Is it very, uh, low-res? <laughs> yes, think. it is. Well, they, they have this plan of... They're gonna push, I guess, Cyborg's consciousness? Uh... Into the mother boxes. He's going to hack the box. He's going to hack the boxes. He's going to hack the box.
1: (laughs) He's going to weaken their bond.
0: But in order to do so, he needs like a giant influx of power. And they've already done this scene when resurrecting Superman, in which the Flash has gone so fast that he's generated so much energy that when he touches the mother box, it gets such a huge jump of power that it activates on its own. And that's what brings Superman back. But they do this on a... Massively bigger scale, cause now it's not the mother boxes; it's Unity. They've all well. Do they fuse? I can't remember.
1: Uh, yeah, I think they're in a the process of fusing at this point. Yeah,
0: it's like the mother boxes have gone super Saiyan at this point, or something. Like their <laughs> their power charts are off the scale. So we, so Flash is a fucking running around in a damn circle for so fast that he's like, I'm I'm getting fucking tired, Vic. I'm getting tired, Cyborg. Will you just say, just say one, let me go, man. But, of course, he gets shot, he he falls over, and then, because they're taking so fucking long, the unity activates, and the world is gone. The world is dead. But at this point, Barry Allen basically enters, I guess, the Speed Force?
1: It was shown in the uh, previous scene when reviving Superman that in order to generate enough power to power the Mother Box... That the flash had to approach and exceed the speed of light. And in doing so, you could see that the flash was actually rewinding time. Yeah. Now this foreshadows the end sequence where the flash rewinds time in order to touch the box after it's already exploded. Yeah. Which is a very cool, much cooler than the original, and is a very satisfying whole sequence of events to watch unfold.
0: Yeah, and I know for a fact that a lot of people might complain that they took out the Superman versus the Flash race that they end up having in the original Justice League version, but to me, just with the fact that this film is obviously double the length of the old one, that scene alone sort of makes up for the fan service of those two characters racing, because that whole scene is so well done.
1: Oh, it's ridiculous. So much effort has been put into these flash scenes that you can just see it just oozing creativity and entertainment value.
0: Yeah. There's things in the middle of this film that I do think go on for a bit too long. So I feel like the first, I guess, hour, hour and a half of them sort of introducing the characters is fine. But then we go back to that scene of them, I guess, fighting Steppenwolf in the giant drain or the giant dam or whatever it is under, I guess, Stryker's Island, I think. For me, that went a bit too long of seeing kind of the same thing of parademons flying around Wonder Woman and she's occasionally stabbing them. A very long scene of Batman being shoot guy. Aquaman's involvement in that was just kind of spontaneous. It's like the Steppenwolf throws this missile into a wall. It blows up because obviously to flood them out. And just what? Was Aquaman just there fucking listening?
1: I don't know why he's there, but he brought his Dinglehopper with him. And thanks to that, he could save the rest of the Justice League from, I guess, death. Now, I don't know which one of Aquaman's parents are human because his father's statue, as I guess the king of atlantis has a trident on it too and that's 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 obviously an atlantean but they mentioned that the trident belonged to his mother
0: yeah aquaman's mother is an atlantean his dad is human
1: oh so
0: why is there a statue of his dad (laughs) yes rewriting the (laughs) law
1: yeah forgetting what the actual comic book lore is they didn't really i didn't really feel like they established that so for me, it was a bit, a bit confusing.
0: The only sort of real reference you get is when, I think her name's Mira? Yes. She's the current queen, I believe. And she's like, you know, don't you dare insult your mother, Arthur. She was everything to me. You know, meanwhile, fucking Arthur, aka Aquaman, is just stood there like, you know she was my mum, right? And I had nothing <laughs> to do with her. And she's like, well, shut up anyway. Shut up! And, you know, it makes you wonder why he hates them so much.
1: <laughs> Mira does, does do some badass water and bloodbending, though.
0: Oh, yeah, she so does.
1: So I think she's earned her right as a ruler there. Because <laughs> she she could take down Steppenwolf if given the, the time to drain his blood.
0: Oh, yeah. Of course she could. I mean, I love the fact, and this is, I guess, more towards Steppenwolf, but I love the fact that everybody steps on him. In this film, <laughs> because every scene that he's in, where it is, honestly, unless it's one person in the room, if he is in a scene where there's multiple people, he's he's done he's done for. He runs away.
1: He gives up. Runs from the legion of Amazonians at the beginning. Runs from the uh, the flood under the harbor in the weird cave thing. I thing. forget what it was. Yeah, yeah. Almost gets beaten by the Queen of Atlantis and has to run away after grabbing the box. We don't even know if he can breathe underwater. He might have been holding his breath through that whole scene. So he could die by drowning too. Well, it makes sense why he left so abruptly after grabbing the box. But yeah, countless times he has been overpowered and near beaten, but he's managed to achieve his objectives.
0: And I think that does Steppenwolf's actual character justice. Because throughout this film in which, while Batman is... Basically, gathering all the other heroes, making you know sure he has a ample team to fight Steppenwolf. During these segments, he's kind of just groveling. He is begging because I believe so. I believe Steppenwolf let Darkseid down. Darkseid then I guess threw him out, killed him, put him locked him up somewhere. Something happened with Steppenwolf, and he's he's a very upset baby boy. And this whole plot of gathering the mother boxes is just purely so he can be accepted by Darkseid again.
1: 50,000 worlds is quite a tall order, though. Oh, my
0: God, isn't it? Just... I love
1: that. If they're all as painful to take as Earth is being, that's quite a... It's quite a lot. Jesus.
0: Like, I just love that turn of, like, fucking, I'll take over Earth and then Darkseid will let me back. And then whatever his name is, that Darkseid lackey number two says... Darkseid has agreed, but change it from 1 to 50,000. And Steppenwolf's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's a big nombi. Oh my god. But I you know what? Steppenwolf is a far better villain in this than he was in the original version. Looks cooler too. Yeah, I mean, the, the armor constantly moving looks a bit off putting, but I guess his overall design is still a little better. I still don't think he looks great, if I'm honest.
1: Not great, but better. And I do like the armour is cool looking, but it does clip through itself in some scenes. But it's kind of hard to see through how dark everything is. Oh my god, that's right.
0: Let's talk about Zack Snyder's signature moves, shall
1: we? The infamous Snyder filter, as I call it. Oh, the poopy
0: brown smear. Here it is. It's
1: in every one of his movies. It's dark... It's brown. It's just overly blurred around the edges. Like, sometimes there's only a couple of pixels in the middle that aren't blurred. Yeah. There's an overabundance of bloom to emphasize light. There's tons of, like, fog and mist to mask edges that might not fit because the CGI blending into, I guess, real pictures. It's just... Ugh, it is garbage.
0: Like, some of the scenes that I love is, like, when it's midday... Like, even during the Superman fight, you know, it's bright and sunny in the sky, still looks like someone's put Google on the dark setting or something. And for some reason, with it being midday, no one's out and about, no cars, it's still full of smoke. Still full of, like, smoke and slight <laughs> fog. It's like Jesus, like Metropolis is supposed to be the stereotypical utopia where everyone's bustling and going to work, and every when it's a bright day, it's beaming down and it's lovely
1: and beautiful.
0: Um, Metropolis don't look like that's it's like everywhere's Gotham, but a shittier version of Gotham.
1: I was gonna say yeah, like it works well enough for Gotham scenes, but in Metropolis, on the Kent farm in Thamiscara. Why are these places that are supposed to be beautiful, covered with foliage, flourishing life? Why do they look dull as heck? Why do they look so bland? Just
0: these fucking picturesque places just smeared over with a piece of shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, honestly, when I was watching it, it did draw me away from the movie a bit because it was fatiguing to watch. It was an assault to the eyes, especially in the scenes where it doesn't work. There are very few scenes that I would consider scenes that contain true colour. And that's only because there was like bright neon or bright white lights. Um, And that's mostly in Star Labs and inside Batman's vehicle consoles.
0: Another Snyder, I guess, feature, whether this is prominently used in his other films or not, I'm not sure. But Jesus, man, stop, stop emphasising Everything with a fucking slow motion. You need to stop. You need to stop doing this.
1: That's half the movie's runtime.
0: Honestly, I would not be surprised if
1: like 20 to 30 minutes is slow motion. That's very generous of you to give it that little.
0: Turns out the extra two hours is just one long slow motion. Oh, (laughs) Jesus.
1: Some parts of this movie felt like slow motion, even if they weren't. Especially one of the many ending possible sequences. Oh, my God. But the slow-mo worked well on the Flash scenes. Yeah. Because we can view things from his perspective. And in doing so, they move in slow motion. Similarly, you can do that with Superman. And they kept the Superman turn onto the Flash in slow motion yeah. in this cut. And I absolutely love that scene and the look on the Flash's face. But going back to the slow-mo, it works for those scenes and a few action scenes only. Yeah. Yeah but we have slow-mo every five to ten seconds in action sequences, and it's way over the top.
0: And the reason I called it a fucking Amazonian curse earlier is because the Amazon section at the beginning, when Steppenwolf first gets summoned, and they're running away with the box and stuff, half of that scene is a giant slow motion. Yeah, it is. Now, I don't really complain about stuff like slow motion too often, and I think that's mainly because other people use it in moderation. (laughs) But in this film, I legitimately got sick of seeing the same slow motion of an Amazonian woman breaking a wooden pole. Like, four (laughs) or five times was that slow motion used. And honestly, I think I did the biggest roll of my eyes ever. If you're gonna do a slow motion, have it be a sick action sequence in which, you know, if, like, a martial artist is punching someone's face, the slow motion is used to emphasise the impact or if they're spitting, or if they've got broken teeth or something. That's what makes a slow motion scene effective. But instead, you know, a slow motion scene is used to show the sick visual effects around a character during a scene. Or, we need to see the 10,000 splinters of this wooden pole being smashed. To me, it ruins so many cool fucking scenes. Like, Aquaman impales two parademons, but it looks fucking garbage because we spend like five seconds of him slow motion before he throws it
1: and then the actual trajectory and piercing of these two parademons is in real time They got the slow motion in the wrong order, if you ask me. We should have seen Aquaman throwing the spear at, you know, at ridiculous speeds, maybe in effect to make it seem like it's breaking the sound barrier or something, then have it slow motion piercing these parademons so we can look in their eyes and see it going through them. Only for the slow motion to stop as they lump straight into the rock. That would carry with it, in my mind, much more impact than slow motion throw to very fast outcome.
0: And the scenes, I think go by too quick that you'll probably miss them that would benefit from a slow motion like there's a scene in which batman's obviously driving his batmobile but wonder woman jumps on it blocks an attack with a shield which knocks her off and then when flying back she slices a parademon in half and i feel like maybe doing a slow motion scene in which you get to see her sort of fly back in pain but then do a sick flip cutting this demon in half would have been sick as fuck.
1: Yeah, that happens way too suddenly. I forgot about that scene until you mentioned it. I remember the block of the shield, but the parademon slice up that happens immediately after. That slipped my mind completely. Yeah, you got it there.
0: And I I actually watched that scene like two or three times just to make sure that You know, was it someone else that hit it? Was it, like, debris or something that got in the way? Did Batman shoot it with one of his 5,000 guns? But no, the scene happened so quick of the impact and her flying back. It's, like, maybe a second or two long.
1: It it wasn't debris. It was the Wonder Woman. It was the
0: Wonder Woman. The the slow motion just really annoyed me. Uh, And I know for a fact that there's other things around it that, you know, people might think are cool because... You know, the slow motion to enhance some of the effects, like what they do with Flash, is actually pretty amazing. Yeah. But just highlighting a movement in slow motion that's like a basic as fuck movement, or just so you can see someone spin around, it's it's not a good use. So, another massive change in this, and this is a very unneeded change that tacks on 20 minutes to the film, maybe even a bit longer than that, is the entire bit after the epilogue.
1: Just the epilogue in general, really. The epilogue is just a compilation of potential endings for the movie, but they couldn't yeah. decide which one to use. So they thought, we'll just throw them all in, in this particular order, I guess. And then that's that. And
0: see that. lands.
1: Yep. Then roll <laughs> credits, we're done, guys.
0: It's like, what characters do we want to fit in? Fucking all of them! Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the good guys win. What? Because of course they do. And the epilogue for me would have been absolutely perfect if it ended with the characters just sort of being happy or living their lives. Because to me, that is the the end point of their character progression. They've all saved the world. They've all developed or strengthened in the areas that they're weakest. And now they just get to live life ready to fight another day if needed. Cut to
1: credits. Perfect ending right
0: there. But no. Does Mr. Snyder do that? He does not.
1: Nope. I would possibly add to that. The potential evil yeah. lurking in the darkness for the next movies, because obviously we know about Dark Side now. We know he wants to get his people in to attack Earth now. Now it would have been cool if they did have sort of the utopia end sequence, and then obviously you can pan out to space or something, and there will be a Dark Side waiting, looking over Earth like Freezer. Yes. And then that's it. Cut to credits. But instead, what do they do? <laughs>
0: Oh my god, they they do everything. They do everything and nothing all at the same time. Yep. It's, it's actually quite amazing to see.
1: See, it makes so little sense having these endings. I would have liked the soups vs. Flash race. Or hell, just keep it in as an after-credit sequence where it doesn't matter.
0: Oh, just just fucking... I want heroes goofing around at the end of my films. I want goofing and gabbing
1: around. The epilogue opens with a small narration and... The narrator says, the world's not fixed in the past, but the future. But we just saw Flash travel back in time to fix the future.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. I gotta say that I love that as well for Cyborg's character, of the fact that the narration at the end is of his now dead father. Yes. Because he Cyborg obviously at the beginning hating his father, listens to the part of this recording that he gets given, up to the point where he learns all of his powers, but then crushes it the minute his dad was about to have a heartfelt speech with him. And then he fucking, he, he sort of remakes it because Cyborg does what Cyborg is to do. Yeah, he's Brother Box. And he listens to it. And it's honestly a really nice, heartfelt speech to his son. Yeah. But played over all these characters who have been broken in some way, but have learned to move on or adapt, is so, it's such a good ending. And and then we and then we cut to poopy brown future Batman in Apocalypse Desert.
1: Cowboy Duster Prophetic Dream Batman. <laughs> it is better than the Batman vs. Supes one, which was just a gun fest. Yeah. This one actually has a a feel to it, a tone to it. That the Batman vs. Superman one lacks. Yeah. But it's just an excuse to throw in more characters and set up for more possible future alternative stories.
0: Like, they... Like, before this... Actually, no, as a part of the epilogue, they obviously bring back Lex Luther as he's escaped from prison, but he has now hired Deathstroke, which is, like, the one of the two scenes we see Deathstroke in this 20-minute segment. Yeah. And Lex Luther basically says, I'll tell you who... You know, Batman is, because I know you want to kill him, but you've got to do stuff for me. And, you know, it's it's the typical setup for potentially another Batman film, which I, you know what, that's a great setup for that, because Batman versus Deathstroke would be a very good film. But then I feel like with the ending bit as it progresses, the only reason Lex Luthor hired Deathstroke is so that we could have this end bit where Deathstroke has now teamed up with Batman, because everyone's fucking dying.
1: Yeah, it's... And then you have Joker's bit. Oh, and apparently Captain Agua is dead here too because Mira's taken his place.
0: Yeah, and fucking Jared Leto. I'm sorry, but you just
1: don't make a good Joker. (laughs) I'm sorry, but you don't. He can act. I can give him that. And this Joker performance is better than his stupid crime boss mob persona. But it still doesn't feel right. But I think that's only because we've We've had the peak of voice acting Joker and we've had the peak of movie Joker and those are always going to be the way they are. So everything's going to be compared against the perfect outcome. So given him that, he did much better as Joker in Snyder's cut than he did in Suicide Squad.
0: I will also say that it's the same thing with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke for me. I almost feel like the only reason... Like how Lex Luthor only hires Deathstroke so that Deathstroke has a reason to be in the premonition scene. I feel like Joker is only there so that it can establish that Batman killed Harley Quinn.
1: Yeah. Like, what? And so Joker can say, it's your fault Lois died because you wouldn't sacrifice yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's fucking, it's so infuriating. Because even when the premonition scene ends, it just goes back to Bruce Wayne waking up because he fucking, his spite, his Batman sense goes off. And then he's talking with Martian
1: Manhunter. He's just like, I'll join the fray when Darkseid arrives. Bye. Bruce is initially a bit skeptic and a bit untrusting of Martian Manhunter, asking who the heck he is or something. But at one point, Marshall yeah. Manhunter says, your parents would be proud. And Bruce doesn't bat an eye. He's very sensitive to people talking about his parents. And yet he dismisses it. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm just going to trust this guy now. Glad you're on the team. Huh?
0: Huh? Exactly. This <laughs> green alien man just
1: came down and said he knows everything about you and mentioned your parents. And you're just going to just go, oh, yeah, I know who he is. He's a cool guy. Green's my favorite color. Well, I do operate on faith. When you learn any piece of writing at any age... When you are asked to write a conclusion, you are always told to never introduce any brand new information, but reiterate important points and things you've already made. You know, like having Darkseid looming over to suggest or create a potential sequel. But they've added three or four characters that weren't present in the movie proper. Yeah. Random dream sequences, post-apocalyptic stuff. Batman's now a cowboy gun-toting man. This is all brand new information for this movie. Some of it has been mentioned in other movies, but it didn't make sense in those movies. It still doesn't make sense now. No. And it just feels really out of place. It feels confusing because of this. It feels like the movie doesn't have a real ending. No. It's just potential sequel bait, potential sequel bait, potential sequel bait. And it just feels like some other parts of this movie as well. Just feel like an advert for the next movies like Snyder was just trying to get people to allow him to make more Batman movies more DC movies and this is his attempt to try and introduce so many loose threads that hopefully they'll clamber onto one
0: yeah and it's it also like when with the thing that you said about Martian Manhunter mentioning Bruce's parents and him not flipping out that immediately contradicts with Yes, he probably believes it's a dream sequence, but the Joker just talks about his parents, and fucking Batman, as this edgelard cowboy, says, you know, I'll I'll fuck if you want to keep your spleen intact. I'll fucking kill I'll you. I'll break your spine. And it's like... Don't say it's that like name. A Fucking mother! It's like, oh, God's sake. <laughs> but then, with yeah. those scenes being so... Like the interval between them being so small and then someone else mentioning his parents and him just going, eh, okay, green man.
1: The pacing is screwed in the epilogue. Oh, yeah. There were issues in the entire movie, but they were, I guess, passable because they spent so much time on the characters. But the epilogue is just a rush. It's just a mess. I'm glad we agree that the ending absolutely sucks. <laughs> 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 Uh, It ended so well as well with the flash conclusion and the dark side possibility, but the epilogue just shouldn't exist.
0: No, because, I mean, the ending would have been so easy because after we saw fucking Steppenwolf be decimated, in which, by the way, unnecessary death for Steppenwolf, might I add. Like, he gets (laughs) fucking impaled by Aquaman, punched, uh, fucking atomic punched by Superman... Decapitated by
1: Wonder Woman,
0: and then his head gets squished <laughs> by Darkseid. Like what?
1: Yeah, he kind of deserved it, but at the same time, that's as overkill, overkill as just Snyder movies go.
0: And you know what? That I actually don't mind because I guess as a culmination of teamwork, sure, <laughs> um you know that death is they actually did it. a pretty cool scene, but. This immediately leads off to Darkseid, talking about, what are you going to do? The mother boxes are now dead in the water. And he's like, we'll go back to the old ways. We'll conquer their planet through brute force. And then you can just literally have the nice friendly epilogue of everyone being happy. And like you said, maybe the Darkseid fleet knows where Earth is now and they just immediately turn up or something.
1: Yeah, while Cyborg's father is speaking as the narrator in the end. And yeah. then probably ends with an important message about what you need to do to set things right, or you need to protect everyone, or something along those lines. Then cut out to Dark Side. You can even have your inception Bois there yeah. if you want. Yeah, you can.
0: And the thing is, right, is that it doesn't even have to be him looming over Earth. It literally could have just been a cut, like a snapshot to Dark Side, and then it zooming out. And then him saying some cheesy line about Earth is next or I'm coming for you Earth like or something. crushing
1: a hologram of Earth or something under his hand. Yeah.
0: Now, I'm going to enter what I like to call the Superman rant mode.
1: You're welcome to do that.
0: Because <laughs> Superman um, not only is one of the worst parts of this film, but he's also one of the most confusing parts of the epilogue.
1: I would like to add before you continue. Yep. Uh, I would like to pose a question. In Snyder's movies, when has Superman not been utter trash?
0: You know what? Fair point.
1: <laughs> and this is the worst of this the worst. This is the
0: worst of the worst. Because don't even get me started on the fact that he does another T-Pose Jesus symbolism shot.
1: <laughs> well, that's Snyder all over. holier than thou. His movies, <laughs> even the fact that he separated his movie by cheesy, edgy-ass chapter names tells you yep. more about Snyder than, and his movie making than you need. <laughs>
0: yep. and my my issue with superman is that like i said before they get rid of his character just to give him the same character in the span of <laughs> 20 seconds it's so unbelievably pointless and you know the only reason they did it is so they could have the justice league face off against superman which you know what fair enough it was actually a pretty cool fight scene
1: one of the better ones in the movie, I think.
0: I I agree just because I love the uh the, the flash segment the most.
1: Yeah, the flash and, interaction is what makes it for me as well. And how casually he just dodges everything.
0: Yeah, and I love the fact the the Chad push in which
1: just, <laughs> the t- <Chad>. just <laughs> fucking
0: touching Superman sends Barry flying. <laughs> but um just for that just to be ruined by Lois. Just being like, Superman, it's me. And then being like, uh, uh, Farm, go. <laughs> it's like uh... And then and then we spend twenty seconds of Lois being like, Do you know who you are? No. Do you know who you are now?
1: Yes. <laughs> no, but actually, yes.
0: No, but yes though. It's like, oh God's sake, why? And the the biggest issue is that they have superman with this big triumphant return he goes back to his ship he's hearing his two dads talk about how important he is to earth and he turns up he fights up against steppenwolf what does he choose he chooses a fucking Zod outfit he does black emo <laughs> suit yeah what i'm the symbol of hope so i'm going to wear pitch
1: black that shows i'm a villain and then when he's evil in his, in Batman's dream sequence. Oh my God. What's he wearing? He wears his fucking, his, his regular suit. His, <laughs> his blue
0: and red super suit. God. Which sends the wrong message. <laughs> I'm going to save civilians. So I'm going to wear my kill suit. I'm going to kill civilians. So I'm going to wear my happy suit.
1: Because we need a symbol of hope now. Or well, they will once he's finished with them. <laughs> it's
0: like, oh my God. God! And then, even when Superman apparently gets his personality back...
1: Hmm. Bricks have personality, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know what? He's acting like a fucking brick when he gets to Steppenwolf. Because all he literally does is fling him around like a rag doll and then we cut away after all he's doing is on top of him
1: Just pounding him.
0: Just <laughs> pounding him. That yeah. sounds wrong. Um...
1: No! Nope. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, no!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just. It's, they turned Superman into a barbarian. And you know what? Superman isn't my favourite character anywhere near, to be honest. But we all know what Superman's supposed to be. He's supposed to be your nice next door neighbour. He's supposed to be the one who fights for hope and truth and justice. And in this one, it's more like, haha, he discovered fire, I hit you with rock.
1: Oh, speaking of justice and um, the Jesus pose. Yep. Did you happen to catch the Wonder Woman standing on Lady Justice's right sword arm during the uh, the bombing scene? I knew
0: for a fact that she was stood on, like, the, uh, the justice
1: statue thing. Yeah. How obvious can you get with symbolism?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know what? It's about as obvious as wonder woman's
1: go-to for a gauntlet every time she's in trouble she smacks them things together way too many times just a fucking get out of jail free card superman's the only one that retaliates and i'm glad he stopped her <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i was expecting batman to smash his new special gauntlets together like um like black panther's suit isn't it
0: yeah just th- the fucking energy repulsor thing and it's just like ha ha
1: Getting the side eye from Wonder Woman. Oh, that would have been oh, a fun. Oh, make a lasso next.
0: <laughs> that would have been a fun scene. I like the idea of that.
1: <laughs> Speaking of the lasso as well, I do miss that they've removed the lasso scene with Aquaman. Yeah. It's the only time in the movie where we sort of saw through his shell. Yeah. And he started sharing what he his feelings with other members of the team. Yeah. And in the original movie, it was a comedic scene, but it was also one that brought some humanity to him. Because before it seemed like he didn't care. Yeah, They removed a lot of scenes that were comedic in a fashion. Or I guess a little more Marvel-like when you think about it. Yeah. In the way
0: they write. When Snyder left, for personal reasons on that film, they ended up getting Joss Whedon, who is obviously a very big part of the actual Marvel universe.
1: Mm. So... It, It carries a similar feel to it.
0: But, um... Speaking of that sort of introduction bombing scene, I will admit that I do actually like the speed up effect that they use on Wonder Woman.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I love the I love the combat scene where she's blocking all the bullets.
0: And the thing is, is that that's still in the original. But even when coming back to this new version, seeing that again, I was like, you know what, that is still a fucking sick scene. But um, having the little girl ask, can I be like you when I grow up? I so wanted her to just be like, no.
1: No, I'm half God, blessed by the gods, Amazonian, and I'm 5,000 years old. No, you cannot be like me. You
0: cannot be like me. Oh, my God. And it's, you know what? And it's also up to you whether you want to take the um, Flash Falling into Wonder Woman's chest scene. Or would you rather replace it with the Flash wondering if she'll get with younger guys scene,
1: you know? I think they did a good job removing the Wonder Woman objectification scene that the actress didn't even want to be part of. But I hate that they have the awkward teenage Bruce Wayne Wonder Woman hand touch scene. They both don't need to be in. I don't mind the graveyard scene because that is literally just how guys talk sometimes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit silly, but it's close enough to not just be relationship romance, dumb reasons sake. But yeah, I I hated the the Batman Wonder Woman awkwardness scene. He's a he's a playboy billionaire. Yeah, and she's probably seen a lot in her five thousand years. Why are they acting like thirteen year olds?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I will admit that I love the flash asking if uh, Wonder Woman goes with younger guys scene just because of Cyborg's dry response. Yeah. Of just like, <laughs> Barry, she's 5,000 years old. Every guy is a younger guy. It's like, oh my <laughs> god!
1: <laughs> Casual talking while grave robbing is... Uh, you always get the most in-depth discussions, most deep discussions. <laughs> but Barry almost dug himself in a hole there, asking questions like that. But speaking of cyborgs, I guess one-liners,
0: oh, Booya oh, is missing
1: from oh, Snyder Cut. Rip. His classic line from everybody's favorite show.
0: T E N T I T A N S Team Titans.
1: Yes. I, I'm not even. <laughs> I don't even know if you spelt that right. But yes, Team Titans, <laughs> and it's it's sadly missing from from Snyder Cut. A few other nods to uh, previous DC properties are as well, but. Snyder's doing his own creative thing, like recording in 4x3. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was was because of IMAX. Yeah. That's what it's put it down to. But that also means that if you don't watch it in an IMAX resolution in 1.43 or whatever it is, or if you don't watch it in 4x3, you're going to get black bars. And for a lot of people that can put you off, you do adjust to it after the first hour or so. The exchange of that, though, is you can see more of the frame. If you compare the original footage to the Snyder Cut footage, you can see more because they haven't cut off the lower portion of the screen to turn it into a rectangle. So like you, in certain scenes, you can see more of what's going on. I don't know if it's worthwhile, but it's there. And that's the way he liked it. And honestly, I don't really mind. I'm not going to say a movie's worse because it's not in widescreen. You know, It's what they do with the technology they have is what affects the uh, the outcome of the movie. Like, shitty-ass filters now that really ruins the experience. I would have rather watched a black-and-white version, honestly.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you
1: say see more, but do you really? Do you really see more? No. <laughs> well, unless you want to see more of Wonder Woman's legs in, like, the bank i seen, or yeah. you want to see, like, two extra kids' heads that when they're hostages, uh, <laughs> you want to see a bit more grass on the plains of Themyscira, yeah, you see more.
0: Yeah. Oh... <laughs> uh... So, one of the things that I find a bit weird about Cyborg, and I know for a fact we haven't talked shit on Cyborg really at all, to be honest, but one of the things is, is that they trust him with the unity at the end of the film. The giant world-ending nuclear bomb, basically. But he's been shown that he can't exactly control his equipment throughout the rest of the film. So, it feels like a bit of a weird choice to trust the world-ending bomb with someone who's unstable themselves.
1: Yeah. I know in the original, they did have a conversation with Cyborg and his capabilities after his auto-defense system, which, for some reason, he could not control, caused Superman to become aggressive. Yeah. And they question whether or not, because he couldn't control his own systems, if he can control the Mother Box and Unity, the things that created his systems. And they eventually yeah. believe they have no choice and let him do it. But in Snyder's cut, they don't mention it at all, and he just opts himself for the task. And they just say, "You might die. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Cyborg makes the decision to." do it regardless of death, Cyborg trying to dieborg, <laughs> And they just let him do it as a matter of faith once again. This movie is very based on faith.
0: Oh, uh, and it's just the fact that Cyborg also fucks around so much around the box at the end. Like, I, I understand that, you know, Steppenwolf is obviously trying to injure Cyborg, get him away from the box, whatever. But at the same time, there's a lot of times in which Cyborg is literally just standing there with his hands around the box not really doing anything and the thing that annoys me the most is when he does the fucking slowest countdown in the world when Barry is literally like look just <laughs> just, just, just say one I- i'm literally at the speed r- um, right now and the issue is is that Cyborg should know that the time it would take Barry to get from there to him There's no way Steppenwolf would be able to interfere with that. Like, at all.
1: He wouldn't even be able to finish saying one. Yeah. Because Barry would go there so fast, he'll get there before he says one.
0: Oh my god. And it's just... I I feel like, sure, they needed to make some tension in the end. Because I feel like they might have also shot themselves in the foot by having Barry say that he's ready too early. Yeah. Like, I feel like that might have been maybe a written mistake, or a I guess a plot pacing mistake. Because I can see it if, you know, he's in there, or, you know, he's around it, then the portal opens up, he gets scared by Darkseid, and then the unity explodes, causing Barry to do what he does. That, to me, makes a bit more sense. Mm. Instead of him slowly doing a countdown then them returning to like five or ten minutes of fighting, then Darkseid appearing, the world blowing up and Barry doing his thing.
1: I think that decision by Snyder was a stalling mechanism to make up for the fact that Cyborg didn't lose his leg in his cut. Yeah, Which would prompt them to take longer and have more of a struggle, thereby causing, in this instance, because the ending's completely different in the Snyder cut, But in this instance, it would cause the Flash to have to wait longer before he got the cue. Yeah. He does sort of just faff about a bit.
0: I also suppose that even if they kept the leg being cut off in, the, the ending for Snyder Cut wouldn't really change. Because him getting his leg cut off, then the dark side portal opening, the world exploding. Flash is still going back in time far enough that Cyborg is still touching the box. So that could also bring back his leg on his body sort of thing. I just feel like there's so many other ways than just having be cyborg, be dumb, only really at the end of the film.
1: (laughs) Having that weird countdown thing is a very poor attempt at creating tension. Yeah. When seeing a struggle and battle would create more tension, and it'd make the scene just feel that more close.
0: Yeah, And, um... (sighs) I also kind of don't like the idea of the mentality of Cyborg at the end being like, I'm willing to throw my life away because I've got nothing left. Because I feel like that absolutely ruins... Like, granted, this is a typical trope, and story-wise, I don't mind it that much. But I do feel like it kind of ruins the whole idea of Silas's death. Yeah, it does. Because the whole idea is that Silas kills himself to essentially put a tracking beacon on the final mother box.
1: Yeah, he superheats its internals, doesn't he? Yeah. To the point where it's like the hottest thing in the universe for a moment in time, which allows Batman with his space battle lights to track it.
0: And I've got to say, not the best script reading from Ray Fisher or Ben Affleck in that scene, because... I'm not gonna lie, it genuinely felt like when I was in school doing acting, and I would turn around and go, Yes, my father put the tracking beacon on the device so that we could find it. And then the other person going like... Beep boop. Yeah, and then the other person going, yes, and now I can use my vast array of bat satellites to then trace the heat signature. Yes, I agree. You know... Maybe a little bit more tension after seeing your father literally turn to particle ash.
1: Yeah, but there's there's also a problem with that whole scene. And this is caused by another decision by Snyder to have this scene instead of the original. In the original, Silas doesn't die. This whole scene doesn't take place. So they have a cyborg-Silas bonding time, you know, father-son bonding time near the end where... Salus is helping Cyborg get to grips with his abilities and upgrading him and repairing him and stuff like that, which is cool. He's got a maintenance man now that cares about him. But we find that that man cannot detect the giant orange bubble that's the size of a city. The giant fucking Earth pinhole. Using his satellites. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Instead, he has to pinpoint a tiny heat signature of a very high temperature from this little box that you can hold in your hand. Yeah. Which one sounds more plausible?
0: Literally just have the flash just go around the world for like <laughs> 5 minutes and go,
1: yeah. That, that would work too. <laughs> that weird giant earth pimple didn't set anything off in Batman's systems? Are you are you are you joking? I also love the fact that even when we get to said
0: giant earth pimple, it's literally just I'm going to shoot it with missiles.
1: Yeah, done. This Giant force field is weak on the outside. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. I believe that's the same in both movies. Yeah. Except the, the pimple is a different color. I think it's blue in the original. Oh, uh, well, this
0: one's always destined to look purpy, poopy brown. Purpy,
1: purpy,
0: <laughs> poopy brown.
1: But yeah, because of Snyder's attempt to add more to the story, especially with Cyborg, he kind of has let some plot holes slide when he didn't need to because he wanted tragic father melty death
0: yeah because the first impression i got was why did he go in there just to kind of commit suicide a little bit like granted they explain it after but when the first sort of implications are i'm running into this room i'm pressing a button and now i'm dead
1: It's a very simple solution for such an intelligent man to have. Yeah.
0: I love the idea of both, to be honest. I like the idea of Victor, him and his dad working together now, finally reforging that bond. That, you know what, that's a beautiful way to round out their sort of like family struggles. I I really enjoy that. But I also kind of love the idea of cyborg is now on his own but he finds the way to move forward similar with the theme of a lot of these other characters or at least barry as well i feel like it's a good sort of reflection of barry's arc as well because barry also learns to move forward get an official job maybe stop revolving his life around getting his dad out of prison and granted cyborg is alone now but he does technically have a new family in the justice league but he also accepts himself and realises that as long as he's fighting for what he believes in, he can just go about and do his own thing without feeling like he's an outcast. So I, I do think both work. Hmm. I just do kind of prefer the the maintenance sidekick one over just Cyborg now being a
1: lonely boy. It's a nice way to put Snyder's version of events as well. I can't help but feel that Snyder wants things to be tragic and dark and somber to the point of being a detriment to the plot. And I can't, I can't look past that. It would have made sense if he fixed it in a way that it wasn't such a glaring issue with the yeah. whole battlelight thing, being able to actually see the city or being able to detect it through other forms of measurements or energy. But he makes it seem like that this is the only way and it has a tragic outcome because of it.
0: So one last thing to sort of round this all out is it's a a pretty major thing, to be honest. So we've already mentioned Darkseid and the term anti-life and the fact that Darkseid honestly has the biggest stiffy for anti-life anyone has ever seen. (laughs) But, right, he gets on Earth during the flashback war segment. And the whole reason he's there is for the Anti-Life Equation. Which gives him the ability to take over everything instantaneously. Because, sure, fuck it, why not? And, you know, he gets he gets the battle axe in his chest. He runs away home. After a, I don't know, a couple of thousand years or so, I guess. Steppenwolf, you know, now that he's halfway through his Earth conquering, goes, I found the Anti-Life Equation! And Darkseid is su- surprised by this.
1: <laughs> it's sort of like, finally, you found that planet I forgot about. <laughs> I forgot about. I forgot. I found the anti-life equation. I forgot where I got my ass beat. I just. I knew it was a planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it may have been a sphere in space. How does he not recall the planet where he found the anti-life equation? where he got his arse beat by the old gods. How does he not remember that?
0: The biggest thing, as well, is the fact that he's probably already conquered thousands of planets, and I reckon none of them have probably put up as much of a fight as... You know the Earthlings did, or the
1: superheroes? On yeah, Earth. well, getting his ass beat is a very big thing, I think, for him because he he is all powerful and probably hates to lose.
0: Unless, right? Unless he accidentally gets hit in the head with a mother box and he gets amnesia only <laughs> for Earth.
1: No, can't happen. They left all the mother boxes on Earth, uh, you know, because he also left those yes. there, his weapon for conquering planets.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You know what? Just to find out God. that Darkseid is a big fucking idiot dum-dum boy. Is...
1: Dum-dum-thum-thum.
0: Dum-dum-thum-thum. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ, he looks so bad. <laughs> um, But honestly, just to sort of figure that out, it's like this giant menacing figure, you know, we're going to blow Earth up with our battleships. Yeah, but you also forgot the place where, you know, the only thing you've ever wanted is. And you forgot the place that was the only place that ever beat you.
1: And where he left his weapons of mass destruction.
0: It's like, come on, Darkseid. Come on now. He's part of a, a spacefaring race. Yeah.
1: He conquers galaxies, but he doesn't have the means or technology to track a single primitive planet that he had previously visited that has his technology on it
0: and you know what i've only just thought about this now as well there's they basically state that the mother boxes are dead now which means in all of existence there's only three yep And you're telling me that Darkseid never even probably considered that, you know what, even not being beaten, but he might have just left them on a planet by accident or something. And you're telling me (laughs) he has got no way to track his planet-conquering Minecraft blocks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Probably not while they're asleep. I think them being awake is what sent out the signal for Steppenwolf. But yeah, they should have had other means of tracking them or the planet. Which they obviously didn't do because they didn't think that far ahead. No. Or Snyder (laughs) didn't think that far ahead.
0: No, they didn't. Excellent
1: inclusion of him and the anti-life equation. But once again, that inclusion just brings up more possible plot flaws.
0: Yeah, but it's just, to me, that's the biggest flaw with his minor character. I mean, it's not in in it much. And overall, it's not the biggest complaint. But for someone who's apparently taken control of so many planets, he's being pretty
1: dumb, this film. It's things like this that remind you that there are tons of scenes that have been added or tacked on in a way to try and create a full result of a movie from, I guess, the rubble of whatever that thing was before. (laughs) Yeah. And... Quite honestly, I think it's a very good attempt. It does create a passable, enjoyable movie, if not a tad long and a tad eh, hard to watch if you're like me and you don't enjoy the visuals.
0: Yeah. I mean, overall, I will say that the ending is the biggest downside for me. The ending goes on too long. There's fucking 17 endings crammed into one. It could have just ended in a streamlined fashion with the typical happiness motif, that would have been fine. The overall action is okay, there's a lot of good action scenes also followed by some kind of bad cgi ones. The film also does a great job of actually creating characters you give a fuck about and making this story that was just a villain appears, grabs a box, and destroys the world. But giving it some backstory, giving it some continuity, making it an an established law object in the world, I think they did a really good job at. But overall,
1: I will have to give this just a 6 out of 10. Zack Snyder did a very good job repairing the atrocity that was the original Justice League movie. It's clear that he's added a lot of his own design choices to create a more serious or dark movie, but in doing so some of his changes have impacted the plot in negative ways. I've had my grievances with the overused Snyder filter, the blurriest, so we've talked about the slow-mo, but the filter does make for me the scenes feel more dull and boring. A lot of scenes are slower I think to pad the time and through the addition Of additional Snyder cut scenes and changes to the story, some things have become more confusing. Overall, it does go to show that when given enough time and ambition and support from the fans, I guess, because it's thanks to the fans that this got where it was, that it is possible to Save a flop of a movie and make it something much more palatable, something more concise, something more grounded in the lore of the movie and the universe it's based on. And because of that, I will also have to give it a six.
0: And on that note, Fruitball fans, Comes the end of the episode. As always, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and all other major podcast platforms to catch new episodes every Friday, or support us directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash Fruit Weekly. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fruit Weekly to keep up to date with Fruit Bowl news, any giveaways we may be doing, or to catch our fan-picked review polls every four weeks please send any feedback or any Fruit Bowl episode ideas to us at fruitballweekly@gmail.com, at gmail.com and we will see you next week. See ya.
1: See ya then.